everybody, Ron Russell right here from PTC Ministries. Won't you come go with us today as we get into the Word? I believe the Lord is going to speak to your heart, and I'll come back and greet you at the end. If the Lord would help us in a few moments, we're going to preach, if the Lord would help me on freedom, the war worth fighting. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time, and those of you in the sanctuary today, if you have your Bibles, we will be in a very familiar passage of Scripture to lay a foundation. If you want to begin to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. As we stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, I'm just going to read a very small portion of this Scripture and then we're going to come back. You might keep your finger right there in that chapter because we're going to come back and walk through this together in just a few moments as the Lord just leads us. But I'd love to stand and read this whole chapter to you because it is an amazing story. But we are going to begin in verse number 32. And we're going to read through verse number 37 and then we'll come back and visit other parts of it throughout the message this morning. And we find that David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said unto Saul, the servant keepeth his father's sheep, and there come a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and then I slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this great Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. And Lord, we thank you for the men and women that has give the ultimate gift, their life, so that we could have the freedom to stand here today. And Father, we also thank you for giving you your best gift, your only begotten Son, so that we could have true freedom. And today I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. For a few moments today, our subject is found in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, verse 32 through 37. And we read of David understanding that there is a war worth fighting. It is in this passage of scripture that we read one of the most amazing stories found in all of scripture. Most often when this text is shared, we focus primarily on two individuals, David and Goliath. But the bigger picture of this account is much more than two men engaged in conflict. This account this is so much larger that I believe that it needs to be visited and probably visited more often than what we do. This account is a detailed record of a nation that is on the brink of losing its very freedom. Its way of life was hanging in the balance. It was in a state of where if the Philistine army overthrew them, nothing would ever be the same. The enemy had dug its heels in against Israel and they were determined to fight for the very soul of Israel. This was not just a battle, but this was a significant battle because of the fact we find what the purpose truly was for this engagement. If you read verses 8 and 9 of this same chapter, you will find the following. And he stood talking about Goliath and he cried unto the armies of Israel and he said unto them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine 
or a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul. Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But notice this. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. This was not just a routine battle, but this was about bringing a nation into slavery. Bringing a nation into a place where it would be under the control of an outside source. Can I say to you this morning, we are dealing with that very thing today. While we do not have a Goliath standing in front of us per se in the natural we do have a spiritual Goliath, and we have talked about this for months and actually the last few years, but I want to remind you today that there is a Ahab spirit that is in operation in very strong high land, uh, positions in our land, but it has also been used and activated by that of Jezebel. And we find today that that same spirit, everybody wants to talk about a Jezebel spirit, been a sexual side of things, and that is a portion of it, but it is a manipulating, it is a controlling spirit trying to operate in an authority that it does not have. And we find that Goliath is operating in this same manner. Clearly, we see the intent of the army of the Philistines. Their goal was to not just to destroy, but was to occupy a land or a territory that they did not have the rightful deed of. We see upon examination of this passage that for 40 days, the opposing forces had been engaging one another. And no one was gaining any territory in the natural, it seemed. If you read the very first few verses of chapter number 17, you will find that the armies of the Philistines had gathered on the top of this mountain. The armies of Israel had gathered on the top of this mountain. And there was a valley in between them. And every morning and every evening, Goliath would come and he would begin to taunt the people of God. Now, when we look at this setting, we understand that for 40 days, this has now been taking place. And when you begin to look upon this in a further manner, you find that while it looked like naturally that nobody was gaining ground, the Philistines was making great ground and great gains against the armies of God. You say, how can you say that? Is when you begin to look further into scripture, you find when Saul and all of Israel heard the words that the Philistine was saying every morning and every evening, this is what was happening. They were dismayed and they was greatly afraid. Notice for 40 days, twice a day, they heard this booming voice coming from a giant of a man that appeared to not be able to be outdone or overpowered because of the strength that he was clothed in, but not just his strength, but also in the way that he carried himself. If you read the first few verses leading up to verse number eight, you will find his armor. It seemed like that he had unpenetrable armor. No one was able, even if you could get to him, there was really no way to get to him because he was completely covered as well as he had a man in front of him with a shield. But we find, we see that in this historic moment for Israel, that something had to change. We find that while there was countless men who had dressed for battle, not one could be found willing to die for the cause. Can I tell you today, there is many people that are dressed for battle, but the question is, is there one that can be found that's willing to die for the cause? Fear and uncertainty had placed chains of bondage upon an army of warriors. We are not talking about men that was not qualified and not equipped, but we're talking about an army of warriors that had been trained and had been positioned and had ready and been made ready to fight and wage war. But every time they would go out and begin to engage in that which they had been trained to do, there was a booming voice that would make them to retreat in a state of fear. Please hear me. 40 days into this conflict, something unexpected begins to unfold and take place in the camp of Israel. There is a father whose name is Jesse. 
He has three children that is engaged in the battle and is enlisted in the army of Israel. But yet we know that he did not just have three sons, but he had eight sons. But the youngest son, his name is David. And David was in the field taking care of the father's sheep. And David says, sent for, and we find that he gives a command to David. And David begins to walk in obedience to his father's words. You find, he says, go check on your brethren and also deliver some things to the army. Now, upon his arrival, understand David had not been there the last 40 days. He had not heard twice a day this booming voice saying that I'm going to destroy and defile you. But upon his arrival, David finds this in verse number 20 in the following. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him. And he came to the trench, and as the host was going forth to fight and scheduled for the battle... He arrived right when there was getting ready to be an engaging of the enemy. We find that Israel and the Philistines had put it in a, the battle in array and the army is against army and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and he ran into the army and he came and saluted his brethren and as he talked with them, behold, there came upon the champion by the name of Goliath and he begins to spew his poison and all of a sudden, David sees the armies of God began to retreat. And there was such fear present at this moment. Notice what these men did when they saw David in verse 24 and 25. It says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and they were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, this is all they could say, have you seen that man that has come up? They couldn't see their strength. They couldn't see their own ability. They couldn't see that there was a God that was for them. But all they could see was this booming voice and this man standing in front of them. And they said, he surely does defy Israel. Now, this is an amazing account of events. And please stay with me and we'll finish in a few moments in an upbeat manner with the Lord's help. David, upon seeing and processing this event, begins to respond. And he says, what, what's really going on? And they said, listen, if there's a man that's willing to fight, the king's willing to give his daughter, willing to give his riches, willing to give, make sure that his household doesn't ever want anything. And David begins to stand. And he begins to ask the question. He says, is there not a cause David said to Saul, where we began in verse number 32, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go, and I will fight. Immediately in the natural, Saul says, but you're not able to. You're just a boy. But then he begins to give his resume, so to speak. And as he begins to give this resume, he begins to not stand in a prideful state, but he stands in a confident state and saying, you don't know where I've been and you don't know everything that I've experienced, but there's something that has happened in my life that has showed me and has proven itself to me that no matter what stands in front of me does not really deter or determine who I'm supposed to be. Please hear me this morning. We find that when David begins to have this conversation, he says, there was... Excuse me, there was a lion and there was a bear, but he said, the Lord has anointed me and I have been able to remove those things and I've been able to stand in a place of victory and this will be no different. You see, why is that so important for us today? We find that David understood that there was a war worth fighting. This morning I have to pause and I have to tell you and I that there is a war worth fighting. Our nation is in a place of great turmoil and not just our nation, but the nations of the world. And we find that what is in the crosshairs of the enemy is not something that can be ignored, but it is the reality of our day that there is a generation that the enemy is doing everything in its ability to destroy a generation. 
I started my day by going through some news highlights this morning just to find that there was a 13-year-old girl that lost her life due to chroming. You say, what is chroming? It's because of the simple fact of taking and spraying hairspray and then snuffing it and it caused her to go into cardiac arrest and we find that because of the pressures of her environment around her with her friends it was supposed to be harmless it was supposed to be nothing no big deal everybody does it but now we find that a family is in a state of grief and overwhelmness because that there is an enemy that snuck in so ever strategically and began to make it look like it's not really harmful. And now we find that there is another 13-year-old beautiful girl that stepped into eternity and the enemy celebrates because now they cannot fulfill their God-given purpose. That is just one story. I could stand here and give you story after story. We could talk to you today about just an hour in any direction from here where there was life that was taken last night for no reason at all other than just evil and demonic uh, forces at work in our land. And yet we come to the house of God and we want to sing our songs and we should and we want to hear our message and we should, but Yet we dress for battle, but we're not necessarily willing to engage in battle. But I want to tell somebody this morning that this is not a typical message. This is just a simple call to action because can I tell you the generations before us, they understood the importance of maybe you've heard this statement of making war on the floor. Uh, But today you and I are in a place where we have to realize that we are fighting a real devil and we are engaged in a real war and there is a real adversary that has a real plot and a real plan and it has a very strategic model in place and America is its target today and while they hate Israel, yes they do because it is a little strip of land that God deeded. Uh, It's the only strip that he ever deeded to anybody and we understand the hatred and the motivation for that but we also understand that there is a strategic attack against the United States of America in this very moment of time and it isn't because of the oil that's under our feet Uh, it isn't because uh, of uh, of the diamonds that are in our rock clusters Uh, it isn't because uh, uh, of any other thing that we may possess in the natural realm Uh, but there is something unique about the United States of America and you have heard me talk about it often Uh, just north of us uh, it was created differently just south of us was created differently Uh, But our land was founded upon the principles of somebody uh, desiring to have a place to worship uh, the one true God. Uh, And because of that... This morning, uh, and throughout our history, uh, we have been a nation that did not just worship God, uh, but we become a beacon to the world. uh, And that beacon of hope begins to shine forth. uh, And because uh, of the generation uh, after generation that has fought for this freedom, uh, listen, I'm thankful that we have the freedom that we have uh, to do what we do naturally. uh, But the the price of freedom that has been fought and paid for uh, through the blood in the natural battlefields as well as through the spiritual battles uh, of the generations before us uh, is so much larger than what we see of just living uh, in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, But you have to realize that because of what has transpired on these lands uh, from sea to shining sea uh, we can never understand the magnitude. Do you realize uh, that how many 
many untold millions uh, have come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ uh, because there was a beacon uh, that was coming forth out of the United States of America, uh, a place of freedom, uh, a place that has been covered and shed with blood uh, because a man or a woman said, we will fight for this thing. Uh, And at the same time, we had an army naturally fighting. Uh, We've also parallel had a spiritual army that was fighting uh, and said that we will continue to lift up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. Uh, And because of that, uh, there is millions upon millions uh, that have come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, And not just in this land, uh, but I'm talking about on the dark side of Africa. Uh, I'm talking about in the midst of China, uh, in the midst of every other nation you could mention uh, because of the sending forth that has came. Uh, But now we have a generation uh, that is sitting saying, well, I don't know what to do. Uh, And when I say a generation, I'm talking about young and old at the moment. Uh, We got a generation of men and women that's in the house of God faithfully Sunday morning. Uh, We got a generation that's faithfully giving their tithe and offering. Uh, And yet they seem like they've got the battle on. Uh, But there's this booming voice in our culture today that says, oh, you can't speak against that. You can't stand against that because, oh, it's going to overpower you. It's going to overthrow you. And what we've done is we've been listening to the voice of the enemy that says, you can't, you can't, you can't. But I'm here to tell you there's got to be a David anointing once again. Come back to the house of God. And listen, I understand being entrenched in the battle, but I think we got to come back to a place of visitation and realize uh, that there is something greater than what we see and hear naturally. Uh, And David, when he arrives on the scene and he sees all the chaos, uh, he says, is there not a cause? Uh, This morning, can I ask the question, uh, is there not a cause? Uh, Listen, there's all kinds of causes. Uh, I can show you just a few this morning. Uh, uh, Austin, would you just stand up with Blakeland this morning? Uh, Can I tell you right there's one cause. Uh, I don't know if you need any more than that. Uh, But Tyler, could you stand up uh, with uh, with uh, my best friend over there? Uh, yeah, my man over there. He's not yours. He's mine. Hey, good morning, buddy. I ain't even got to talk to him yet. Uh, but listen, there's another cause. Uh, listen, there's another cause right here. Uh, can I tell you, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, what I'm telling you today is uh, if we can settle uh, for just saying, well, let it happen. Uh, we, we just don't know if we can. Uh, but listen, uh, I know this morning uh, that it may cost us everything, but it's worth spending everything for a generation to still walk in freedom naturally and spiritually. The war is worth fighting, but are we willing to fight? You can turn me down a little bit. I sound like I'm blaring out here, up here. I don't know if I'm busting y'all's ears, but I'm busting my own. We find this morning that Saul says to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said, you have to understand there's, there's more than what meets the eye here. But David also realized the importance of this battle, but he also realized something else. He realized that this was a battle that could not be won naturally. But this was a battle that had to be fought differently than any other battle. And I want to tell you this morning, we're engaged in a battle that our United States military, while how wonderful it is, it does not have the capability to fight this battle. And I don't say that in a disrespectful manner because I honor our military. But they can't fight this battle. And I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that just because you go to church doesn't mean you can fight this battle there's only one way to fight this battle and to win and David understood that and Saul begins to present to David all kinds of armor for the sake of time we won't read it but you'll find where he begins to take his armor and put it on him and he begins to look around and he says I, I you know what I, I appreciate all that you're trying to do but I've never proved these I, I don't I've never operated in this realm. I've only operated in another realm. And, and you don't understand that realm, but that realm's I know is proven. You, 
you have to realize that if he would have been in Saul's armor out in the field with the sheep, it would have done no good. It would have hindered him from his moving and his ability to grab a hold of the beard of a beast and to remove a lamb and to then smote it. Think about it. He had to be free. He had to be moving. He said, listen, I, I, I appreciate it. And he takes everything off and he goes back to what he's used. And when he gets there, notice he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and he put them in his shepherd's bag and he put them in a script and then he had his sling in his hand and he said, now... I'm ready. Completely bizarre. So bizarre that when he arrives to the battlefield, this is what Goliath said. Am I a dog? Thinking that you could come to me with that? But what he didn't realize is that there was something different. Notice we could talk about the staff, meaning this, that when David went to the brook and he reached in to get those five smooth stones and he was leaning upon his testimony because that's the picture of his staff and we could talk about the five smooth stones and a lot of people say pick five because of Goliath's brothers and they later was destroyed. I'm not going to dispute that but I also know this that five is the number of grace and he realized this that I've got to operate and operate in the movement of the grace of God and we find that he took them out of the brook which is a picture of the spirit and we find that he put them in his shepherd's bag which is, which is a picture of the gifts of the spirit and we find that he wrapped them in the script which is a picture of the word of God and we find that then he gets up and he takes his natural sling and therefore his natural sling become powerful because of the simple fact he was operating naturally through the spirit of God and therefore we find that it began to set the stage for one of the greatest upsets in all of history that you'll ever read but we find that when he comes and he stands and Goliath says am I a dog that you come to me with staffs and he simply says this, you come to me with a, with a, with a sword and with the spirit, with, with spirit of man and you come to me with a shield. And he said, but I'm coming to you differently. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Now, how did David have the ability to come and engage in battle in the name of the Lord? You see, before this day, there was another day. There was a defining moment in his life. Most of you probably have heard of this account, but let us revisit it just for a moment. If you were to read in chapter number 16 of 1 Samuel, you would find that Saul has been disobedient. Saul has rebelled against the instructions of God and the Lord says that he is repentive of even appointing him as king over Israel and he is in conversation with his prophet Samuel and after there is a display of the Lord taking away the kingdom from Saul the prophet Samuel is in a state of mourning and the Lord comes and visits him. He says, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? He said, I want you to get up and I want you to go because I've already picked somebody to operate in his stay. And when you read chapter number 16, you will find that he says, I want you to, he gives him very clear instructions. I want you to go down to Jesse's house. I want you to sacrifice there. I want you to just go down there and make your presence known and I want you to go into Jesse's house because one of his sons is who I've chosen. And I want you to anoint him with a horn of oil. So we know that David is the youngest of eight children, uh, eight sons. He isn't present. So of course, according to custom, Jesse comes and brings his firstborn. 
the Lord says, that's not him. The second, that's not him. The third, that's not him. And finally, the Lord begins to talk to the prophet, says, don't look on the outward. I look differently than what men look. I want you to look at the heart of him. And seven young men that are well-abled and fine-looking and pictures of health and able to do with the approval of their father, but none of them is it. The prophet says, is this all there is? And then they said no with a little bit of embarrassment because of the backstory of David been an illegitimate child. Well, there is one. There's one more. His name is David. But he's out in the field with the sheep. And the prophet said, well, we're not going to sit down until he comes. And upon his arrival, the Lord says, that's him. Anoint him with oil. Now, why is that important? Is because he was anointed in the presence of his brethren. There was three young men on this battlefield that understood there was something different about David that nobody else knew, but they wasn't given voice to. Now, as David is standing here before the prophet of God, there's a horn of oil that begins to be poured upon him. He is covered, saturated with oil, and the Bible tells us that from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord was upon David. Now, when you fast forward into chapter number 17, you find that when David went back to the field to take care of his father's sheep, he went back differently than when he came out of the field. He walked with an anointing that a beast was not even able to overthrow him. You see, I'm not so sure that the lion and the bear was present in the field just to try to take care of the sheep, but there was some movement trying to take care of a soon coming king, but did not have the ability or the power because of the oil that was upon him. What I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is this, was there's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl that is baptized in oil. There is not a devil in hell that is able to stop them from stepping into the place that God has ordained them to step. Are you with me this morning? Can I tell you that what we find this morning is right now in this very moment of time is that there is a great onslaught of attack of manipulation and, and intimidation that was taking place in the day of this story again. But David stands before Goliath and he says, listen, I come to you in the name of the Lord because he, he said, I understand that there was a day back here that there was oil that was poured upon me and I can't really articulate it. Uh, I can't really describe it to you other than the fact is that I have never been the same. I've, I, I've experienced something that happened in my life that you wouldn't even believe if I told you, but I just tell you that this is changed me forever. And we find that he begins to not run away from the enemy, but he runs towards the enemy and this great victory is wrought. And you say, well, that's wonderful. We've heard that story since we was in Sunday school. Uh, but can I tell you this morning, uh, I need you to hear the word of the Lord today. And I'm gonna bring this to a close in just a moment. Uh, we are currently engaged in a similar conflict in our nation. Uh, there is, for an extended period of time, uh, we are hearing the voice of intimidation and manipulation. Uh, the battle is in full motion. Uh, both sides uh, has its troops and it appears uh, that no one is gaining any ground. Uh, we are witnessing an appetite, however, for change uh, and we have seen many dressed for battle just to witness them retreat uh, when it gets intense uh, and they begin to become overwhelmed. Uh, fear and uncertainty now rules the day in the, in the United States of America uh, but heaven help us not just in our nation uh, but even within the house of God. Uh, we are witnessing men and women believing the lies of the enemy, uh, that they are unbeatable, uh, and that they are, we are outnumbered, uh, and that we are outpowered, uh, and that we are outstaged, or we are out of our league, so to speak. Uh, but I must remind us today uh, that God has always had a people. Uh, when David showed up, he didn't show up alone. Uh, when Elijah showed up, uh, he didn't show up alone. Uh, when Elisha came on the scene, uh, he wasn't alone. Uh, 
When John was on the Isle of Patmos, he wasn't alone. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, he was not alone. When Paul found himself shipwrecked, he was not alone. But every one of them had experience and had a visitation of the power and the anointing of the oil of God. You say, what do you mean this morning? I'm going to try to tie this together real quickly. Not only today are we celebrating Memorial Day tomorrow and we're reflecting upon freedom, but today it is seven weeks from Easter. You say, what does that mean? This morning, what you don't understand is today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is a day that we remember, uh, not like Israel does. Uh, we're not celebrating a wheat harvest, uh, but we're celebrating uh, and we are remembering uh, that there was a day uh, when Jesus says, is it important that I go uh, so that the Father can send he? Uh, and when he comes, he will endue you with power from on high uh, that you will be able to be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, and can I tell you, when you begin to read Acts chapter 2, uh, there was a horn of oil uh, that began to be poured out afresh uh, and the same oil that was poured on David uh, and we see that it was struck uh, and it was destructed and torn uh, and fought for all of these years uh, in the last days the Lord says I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh uh, but also he says in the last days uh, there will be the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David uh, we talked about that recently uh, but I come to tell somebody this morning uh, that we are not alone uh, and when the blood bought church of God stands up. We are not standing alone and dressed in battle in the natural, but we are still standing dripping in oil. And when the oil is present, that means the anointing is present. Then when the anointing is present, every stronghold of bondage has to be broken. Can I tell you that there is freedom still for the man or woman of God and there's also still a freedom for a nation if somebody's willing to stand and fight for the question is, will you and I stand? Notice David, still covered in oil, finds himself standing in front of a great adversary. But when we get men and women who have been endued with power to show up and to stand up against the adversary, there's two things that has to happen that's unexpected. And just taking the risk of being maybe a little too raw for some this morning, the enemy has to shut up and he has to back up. You hear me? You never see and you never hear Goliath say another word. When David stood up and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord, he could not utter another phrase because when he showed up, dripped in oil with a made up mind saying this is a war worth fighting, the enemy had to silence. And then we find that there was a backing up of the army of the Philistines. Because notice what happened. When David run towards him, the only open place in his forehead, the rock comes. And we find that instead of David or Goliath falling back, it was a supernatural encounter with him in such a manner that he did not fall backwards. But your Bible says that he fell forward because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right on the battlefield in the midst of everybody thinking that this was something that we've got this in the bag. That's just a youth. That's just a young boy. Who does he think he is going to go against our great giant? And that's what the world's saying today. Who does that church think it is? We're powerful. We got all of this and we got all of that. But what they don't know is they're getting ready to have to bow before the presence of God. Because there is a slinging of the stone. If they come to the music this morning, please, I'm ending. Let me say this this morning. It's high time that we boldly stand and engage the enemy. And it's high time that we take authority over all that the enemy is releasing upon our land. 
Men and women have paid the ultimate price for you and I to be here this morning. And due to their sacrifice, untold millions throughout the world have come to the knowledge of Christ. So I ask you today, is there still not a cause? I cannot share with you enough how important it is that the United States of America retains its freedom. Please hear me. It's not just so that we can say we're free. Freedom here in the United States is essential to the spreading of the gospel and to the reaping of this last day harvest. That is why we're engaged in such conflict right now within our borders today. I want you to understand the, the severity of the hour which find ourselves in. I want us to understand that unless somebody's willing to stand, unless somebody's willing to go against the grain, so to speak, and say, we don't have to settle for that. We're going to continue to see fear and anxiety and uncertainty continue to grip a generation. But one of the greatest things about the story is you find that once one stood and once one ran, there was an army that got free. An army that had been retreating, going out, coming back, going out, coming back for 40 days, all of a sudden realized that, man, we can win this thing. I want somebody to understand that we can win and we will win if we put our faith and trust in the Lord. There's a little children's song that plays at my house quite often these days. And a couple lines of it is this, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There is nothing my God cannot do. Maybe that ought to become your anthem this morning. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God could not do. I wonder, do we really understand that? See, the rivers is his, the seas is his. The list just goes on and on and on. But I wonder today how precious is the freedom that you and I know to us, to generations before us, it was worth dying for. Today, I, I pray you understand that what we have in this nation is worth dying for. It's time to get our focus off a political party, a particular man, and man-made organizations. And it's time for us to get back to the simplicity of the gospel and realize this. Just like Jesse sent his son, God sent his son. Just like David was to deliver cheese, he ended up delivering a nation. Jesus comes onto the scene and delivers you and I who had no hope no peace, no rest. Today as we stand all over the house this morning, the war worth fighting. There is some things today that just doesn't warrant your time. 
there's some things you just shouldn't be engaged in at all because it just ain't even worth it. But if we're not careful, we let those things occupy, occupy most of our time. But there is something worth fighting for. And that is freedom. Spiritual freedom as well as natural freedom. If we're not free in this land, then we can't do what God's called us to do without great persecution. And there is no reason, there is no reason for us to squander away what we have so that our babies have to operate in a state of persecution. But if you and I will stand and fight for this thing now, we can drive back the enemy and we can stand in victory and a generation can operate in the power and the anointing of God. Somebody has to stand. This morning, no excuses. It's time for us to understand somebody paid a great price. You may say, well, it didn't cost me too much to raise your hand this morning. Can I tell you, somebody died so you could raise your hand. And I'm not talking about just Jesus. But because you was able to raise your hands and worship this morning, do you realize that untold thousands have died so that you could do that today? Do you understand that when you were singing out this morning with no fear of somebody coming in and grabbing you and placing you in chains and taking you to prison, do you understand that that wasn't just free? That was thousands of people have shed their blood for you to have that freedom today. You see, most of us only see war from reading a book or seeing a news flash. In October, I was getting ready to get on the platform in Armenia. I was getting ready to preach. About 30 miles from where I was at, there was conflict. Azerbaijan was invading the land of Armenia and was slaughtering children. Christians because of their faith. The pastor came and said, Pastor Russell? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you care to pray for a pastor friend of mine? And I said, no, sir. Be honored to. He said, they're going to be here right before service. It was, it was right before service. He started telling me and I was getting ready to go into the platform. Service begins and then they bring him to us. And he says, this is him. His son had just got killed like three days before. And Asperjan would not release the body. And they said, we can't even give our son a proper burial. He's lying in the street. They won't let anybody move him and touch him. He's laying there decaying. And he said, will you pray that God will just grant us favor? Can I tell you, when you get that close to war, when you smell it, when you feel it, when you feel the weight of it, it gives you a greater appreciation for freedom. Can I tell you, that's just not one family, but that's family after family after family. There are those of you in this room that you need to understand today that your grandpas and your great-grandpas, your uncles and your nephews, and they've laid their life down on the battlefield for you to have freedom. And that freedom has been stomped on every day, tried to be snuffed out. And let us not even begin to get into the area of those that didn't lose their life, but are walking around today mentally challenged and physically challenged because of the effects of being on the battlefield. Can I tell you it's worth fighting for today? 
So how do I fight for it, preacher? I fight for it by surrendering my life to the Lord and simply saying, God, whatever it is, because we know this, that true freedom comes from him. True freedom is a gift of God, and this nation has a gift, and that gift is something that's astronomical. And now you look around, we've become the, the adults and the senior citizens and the ones that has been entrusted this inheritance. Now I ask, what are we doing with it? Are we letting the enemy just steal it? piece by piece or will we stand like David did and says this is a war worth fighting if you're willing to fight this morning I'm just going to ask you to stand you're already standing come from your place where you are and let's just have a season of prayer as they just minister in song today and say Lord help us we know this the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds We're engaged in spiritual conflict today. We need wisdom. We need discernment. It only comes when we have a relationship with Christ and when we're baptized in the oil of the Spirit. So today my prayer is this. On Pentecost Sunday, Lord, revive us again. Pour your Spirit out upon us again. Let there be a fresh horn of oil poured upon your people. Dear Heavenly Father, as we stand together and as they get ready to sing and we just go to a time of prayer this morning, I know it's been different this morning, but Lord, I pray that your people has had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. And Lord, we just come to a moment of prayer. And Lord, we just call out to you. And Lord, we say thank you for the sacrifices that's been made. Thank you, Lord, for the commitment that's been made and given. Lord, today I pray that you would just pour out upon us this generation of men and women let us be endued with power from on high Lord I pray that there would just be an overwhelmingness of your love Lord let us walk with a sense of gratitude let us walk with a sense of urgency Lord today as we just spend a few moments in prayer before we go about our day Lord I ask that you would receive our worship that you would lead and guide and direct us. And Lord, if there's one under the sound of our voice today that does not know you as Savior, they have yet to surrender their life to you, I pray today this would be the day that they would just step from where they are and come to the front of this building. We'd love to pray with you this morning if that's you because there's real freedom. There's real freedom in the cross of Christ. So today, won't you come? Let's pray as they minister in song. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. I hope that you have enjoyed your time with us today. I sincerely believe the Lord is taking his word and is touching hearts and lives in this very season. I believe that you're one of those. And we encourage you to continue to join us uh, on these platforms. But today, before we say goodbye to you, until the next time, I'd just like to take a moment and pray a blessing over you. And uh, I hope that if there's some things going on in your life that in this season, you'll simply do what the word of the Lord says. Just trust in him. The Bible tells us, taste and see, and you know that he'll be good. So today, I just pray blessings over you. I pray blessings over your family. And if you have yet to surrender your life to the Lord, there is no time like the present to do so. So God bless you today.